How many of you have ever had a bad Christmas? Anybody want to confess you've had a bad Christmas? Some of you think you're having a bad Christmas this year. 2003 was the year that I ruined Christmas for my family. You see, my girls, Emma and Hannah Grace, were three and four at the time, and they came home from church, and Hannah Grace said, Dad, somebody at church, her name probably was Karen, told me that Santa Claus wasn't real. I was a young father. I was just getting started with my kids. I had all these ideas on how Christmas was going to be amazing. And Santa Claus was a big part of it. And so I was like, not on my watch. I mean, I'm looking back, I should have done the right pastorally thing and admitted to the truth and, 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 and kept the focus on Jesus. But hey, I was young and uh, I wasn't done with Santa Claus. And so, so I decided that you know what, I'm gonna do something every sane father would do in my shoes. And on Christmas Eve, I tucked my girls in bed and I said, remember the song, that Santa sees you when you're naughty and nice. He sees you when you're sleeping. And with that, I turned off the lights and left the room. And then I went in the backyard and I got into my, my Santa Claus outfit and put on the big white beard and I took a ladder and I climbed up to the roof of the house and I went over to where it was on top of their, their bedroom and I started jumping around and I was trying to make as much commotion like Santa and his reindeer were on top of our house. And then I climbed back down the ladder and I knocked on the front of their window and uh, I backed away and I could see the blinds open up and four little eyes peering at me. And I just stood back and waved for like Santa Claus would. And, and then the blinds closed, the lights came on and I saw the little bodies take off and then I knew it was a race. So I got out of the Santa outfit as fast as I could and I went to the, my bedroom where Stephanie and the girls were and the girls were crying terrified. Hannah Grace goes, Daddy, I saw Santa. He's skinny and he has green skin. They were emotional. And I was like, oh, I've gone from within 24 hours, Santa Claus existing to not being real to now being a monster. To this day, Emma only refers to Santa as Satan Claus. And I knew I, it took forever to put him down to sleep that night. And this is Christmas Eve. And so I called my dad. I said, Dad, you're coming over tomorrow. Pops, I need a big favor. He goes, what is it, son? I said, before you come in through the doors, I've got a Santa Claus outfit and I need you to put it on. Come in with presents, big ho, 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 do it right. And we need to redeem Santa Claus because the girls are terrified of Santa right now. He was like, I got you, son, I'll do it. So we met early and he got in the same suit and put the beard on and, and he opened up the door and came in. And I thought, wow, this is good. It's Christmas. It's wonderful. And this is going to be the moment the girls are going to smile. And when they saw my dad as Santa Claus, the monster came in, all they could do is associate their memories that had happened the night before. And so they were terrified. They started screaming and crying again. And in a moment of panic, what my dad should have done is just gone back outside. But in a moment of panic, he was associating this traumatic screaming and crying to him personally. So he starts ripping off the costume. The beard comes off, further traumatizes their little minds. And I want you, as you look into their eyes, do you see Christmas cheer or do you see Christmas fear? Because when I look into some of your eyes during this very difficult year, and now it's Christmas and everything else was bad, so you're thinking this is gonna be bad, I see a lot of fear. 
I do. And don't you look around and we see people and like, there's just a lot of gloom and a lot of sadness. And it's Christmas, y'all. By faith, can we make a decision to go, let's bring the Christmas cheer. Let's bring the light. Let's bring the joy and go all in. Do whatever it takes. Like you need to rewatch the Christmas movies. I, I just discovered the Hannah Grace had never seen It's a Wonderful Life. I, it was my fault as a parent. I failed her as a dad. And now we're watching these, some of these Christmas movies from the past. How many of you like, you make Christmas cookies? That's a, that's a thing in, in your tradition. Make the Christmas cookies, all right? The Christmas music, have it going 24 seven. How many of you have all your, your Christmas trees and your lights up? How many of you will confess that you do not? Can we just boo everybody? No, not, no, I'm just kidding. I, I used to like, hey, babe, just be, Stephanie was like always wanting to come out early with Christmas at our house. And I was like, you know, this year, I don't even care. Some of you have already started in October and you've been asking us, let's start singing the Christmas song. I think there's a hunger and a desire to like have a moment. Like Christmas can be a breath of fresh air, right? For, for me, I, I, my favorite is, is Christmas lights. I mean, not personally putting them up, but I like to go in the vehicle with hot chocolate in the thermos and go to every neighborhood and find that house. You know what I'm talking about, right? Because every neighborhood has the neighbor that tries to outdo Clark Griswold, right? And we try to find that house. And then we stop and we just all kind of give an applause. And we did. And so Friday night was our night that we went out in our community and looked at Christmas lights. And I knew that at 6.30 p.m., our mayor of our Holos, I love our small town, that he was gonna have his orchestra, his band together, and they were gonna light the Christmas tree outside of Holota City Hall, like he does every single year. And we're there, we're, it's a big deal, right? Like, but this year, because of COVID restrictions, they decided to do it virtually. Like I'm gonna watch it on Facebook. Not on my watch. So I was like, we timed it perfectly. We drove by at 625, drove by Bandera again, and we were watching it kind of online. We're here, and okay, so he's building it up. They got the music. So we went over to Dairy Queen. We got our blizzards. And then when they lit that sucker up, we flew past it. We were honking our horns. I had the windows down. Merry Christmas, Holotus! And then we just kept driving. Merry Christmas, Elf Hardware Store. Merry Christmas, Be Daddy's Barbecue. It was like, it's a wonderful life. I love it. It's wonderful. There's something about Christmas lights. There's something about the lights, isn't there? Did you know that light is like, that's like the fastest thing. Did you know what the most, uh, the fastest man-made object, vessel that can go fastest in the history of the world? Do you know what it is? It's the Millennium Falcon. It's true. Millennium Falcon from Star Wars travels at the speed of what? Light. It is fast. Did you know that light speed is 690,617,000 miles per hour? If you could travel at the speed of light, you could go around Earth seven and a half times in one second. That's fast, right? There's something about light that's mysterious. You can see it, you can feel it. Think about the sun, right? There's something powerful about lights. Christmas is a celebration of lights. Not just lights, but the light. Turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter two. Man, I'm so glad that you are here. Many of you are here in person. You're coming back. Some of you are joining us online. And we're glad that you're here for the start of our brand new Christmas series called Repeat the Sounding Joy. Again, there has just been way too much sadness, right? Some of us are just so tired. It's like the line out of the, the, the song, A Holy Night. It says, a thrill of hope, a what kind of world rejoices? 
A weary world rejoices. I think we look around and our world is pretty weary, right? Pretty tired. Like there's been so much that has been happening this year that if we're not careful, that'll affect us even during the Christmas season. And so this is our moment. This is our opportunity. Yeah, it's fun to have Christmas lights and eggnog and and listen to the music and watch the movies, but all of those things are only pleasure for a moment. There's only one thing, one person that can cause us to have supernatural joy forever, repeating, right? And his name is Jesus. He is our hope, right? He is the one that can give us. How many of you can use a supernatural grace gift of abundant joy in your life? And we are his followers. And so we should be full of joy. And it's not dependent upon our circumstances. It's not dependent upon a challenging year. This is a moment by faith that we can say, you know what? I'm going to be full of joy. I'm going to be full of light this year. And so let's look at this passage of scripture. It was a dark time. It was a dark season in the first century. And this is the moment. It was 400 years of darkness. Like there, there was not a lot of activity that was happening between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it says in verse nine of Luke chapter two, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. I love that the angels were chose to reveal or God sent the angels to reveal this good news to, to shepherds. I can imagine that shepherds spent a lot of time with their sheep at night and it was dark. They probably felt alone a lot of times that they weren't important, but the Lord sent his angels to these shepherds. And notice it says that the glory of the Lord did what? It shone around them. The glory of the Lord was so powerful, so radiant. It shone all around them. And they were greatly, notice how their, their emotion, their response. They were greatly what? They were afraid. There's a lot of fear today, right? A lot of people are afraid of the unknown, of, of what's happening. And it says that these, these shepherds were afraid. It says, then the angel said to them, don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great what? Joy which will be to all people. So it's not just the shepherds who are receiving this good news that will bring them great joy, but it's all people. And that includes all of you as well. And what is that good news? Well, in verse 11, it says that in this day, in the city of David, Christ will be born. They were echoing and they were saying the fulfillment of all the prophets who said that, hey, that in the time that the everlasting father, the prince of peace, the, the one that is coming, that he is the one that is here now. It's announcing the arrival that God for so loved the world that he gave his son to show us exactly what God is like. That no matter what difficulties we have on earth, no matter what trials we face, we can get through it because we have our trust in Jesus. And Jesus is the one. He's the one that gives us hope. He's the one who gives us joy. He's the one that gives us peace. And so in a season where so many things can cause us to be distracted, let's fix our eyes on Jesus. This is the time that we celebrate his arrival, his birth, but it should fill our hearts with joy the more we think about Jesus and we dwell on our thoughts and praise him and bless him, that our lives will be filled with light. And so how does that happen? Because I love when the announcement came, it happened in the doxa, it happened in the, with a the light and with the, with the magi, right? In Matthew chapter two, verse two, it says, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his what? his star in the east and have come to worship him. And what can we observe about the Magi? You see, these were the wise men that brought gifts and 
Tradition has it that there was three of them, but we don't know for sure. There could have been two, two, could have been 10, but they brought three gifts. And these men were led to Jesus by a certain star in the sky. And so a light led them to the light. And that light was Jesus. And as Jesus grows up, he embraces himself as being the light, doesn't he? It's part of his character and nature. An important part, important attribute is Jesus being the light. Do you remember the moment when the woman was caught in adultery? Like in her sins, in the darkness, it was exposed. And there she was in front of everyone. We don't know where the guy was. He should have been there as well. But the accusers, by law, could have stoned her. And so Jesus is brought into the scene and they try to trap Jesus. And Jesus looks around and said, hey, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And they leave and he looks down at this woman. He says, I'm not come to condemn you, accuse you. I've come to save you. Save you. And he says this, go and sin no more, right? Go and sin no more. And then he looks up and he tells those who are still remaining. In verse 12 of John chapter eight, it says, then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the what? I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. A life, that life here comes from the Greek word zoe, which means eternal life, not just bio life that's temporary here on earth, but Jesus is the light that gives us eternal life. That those of us, all of us at one time, were walking in darkness, right? But when we put our trust and we surrender to Jesus, when we walk away from our sin and walk towards God, then we can have our lives that were once dark filled with light. Some of you are walking in darkness. Like this has been a year that's caused you to become maybe inward or you've turned to other things other than the Lord. Vices, substance abuse, and it's caused you to be a slave to sin. And the Lord wants you to, be, to set you free from this. He doesn't want what you're doing in secret to cause you to, to weigh your conscience down, to, to cause you to become discouraged. He wants to bring peace, life, and joy into your life. And it happens when darkness is invaded by the light. When there is light, there is no darkness. There are no shadows. And so even when Jesus was preparing his disciples for the time when he would leave and he would send the Holy Spirit to baptize them, that they would fulfill everything that he was here on earth. Even in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and 16, he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your what? Your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We don't do good works to be seen. It isn't about us, right? We decrease so the Lord can be increased. We allow our lights to become less so the Lord's light can become more. We want to shine the light on Jesus. And we can do this through what we say, how we act, by our, our, our gifts, by our generosity. Our, our joy should be radiating through our smiles and our words. This is our opportunity during a dark time in our world that the church, as followers, his children, God's light wants to be radiated through you so others can give glory to God, can point to God the Father. This is our opportunity. 
And so why is light the attribute? Why is that the symbol, the metaphor that Jesus uses to describe himself and to describe us? Well, then there's three properties about light that, that really should, should, should give us light about this passage of scripture and how we are the light of the world and to give joy. First, light gives direction. Light gives direction. How many of you have ever tried to drive at night with no lights? It's not very fun, is it? Have you ever tried to go camping without a flashlight? Have you ever been in a cave without a headlamp? It's, 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 it's intimidating, right? And, but when there is light, you can see clearly where to go. And there are a lot of people that are looking aimlessly and they're, they're in darkness and they're looking for truth and they're looking for hope and there's a hunger there and there's a weariness and, and, and they're looking, they're desperate for that. And we can look to the word of God, right? The word of God says that the word is a, is a lamp into my path, is a light into my, my feet and a lamp into my path, right? That this is where we find the light that as we spend time with the Lord and abide with him in his presence, the more we spend time with him in praying and thanksgiving and worship and in his word, we're filled with the, with the light of the Lord when we spend time. It's like when Moses, right? He, he caught a glimpse of, of, of God and then his, his face just radiated. It was a reflection of the glory of God. I believe that that's what happens when we spend more time with the Lord. We radiate God's character more than we can radiate our own character. And that's what people need to see. And we can give direction to people. And we can give direction to ourselves as we spend time in God's word. So light gives direction. Light drives out fear. Light drives out fear. This is why some of your children and some of you still sleep with a nightlight in your room, right? There's something about having a little bit of light, just a little bit of light that, that removes any kind of fear. Like, the Lord doesn't want you to be full of anxiety or worry or be afraid. And there's a lot that we could be afraid of if we put our trust in finances and knowing what the future is, but this is our time to trust in the Lord and not lean onto our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. Not only does love drive out fear, but light drives out fear. Where there is light, there is no darkness. And so we need to acknowledge that light drives away fear. So what are you afraid of? And know that Jesus has got this, he's in control. When you put your trust in him, you don't have to be afraid. So light, it gives direction. Second, light drives out fear. Third, light brings comfort. It does, doesn't it? Have you ever sat by a campfire outside when it's cold and you've gotten real close to it and the warmth that it gives? It just kind of, wow, it's just, a, there's a comforting feeling. There's a sense of, of calm and peace that you have when you're by a campfire. That's what light does. It brings comfort, and people who are in darkness, people who are in cold, and they, they're desperate for the light. Still, one of the stories that I love, who is a shining, bright light, is Mother Teresa. Today, if you go to the headquarters of the Missionaries of Charity in, in Calcutta, you won't find it on Main Street with big, bright lights or um, and any kind of neon lights. You'll have to go to a back alley, and there you will find humble and simple people ministering the needs of those who are suffering, those who are dying, those who are homeless. You see, it was in 1948 when Mother Teresa was the principal of St. Mary's High School that was a very, in a very affluent area. And, and she didn't take any funds 
She entered in the world of suffering with a whole lot of love in her heart to be the light of Christ. It all started with one story. In her words, she remembers one day in a heap of rubbish, I found a woman who was half dead. Her body had been bitten by rats and ants. I took her to a hospital, but they told me that they didn't want her because they, they couldn't do anything for her. I protested and said I, I wouldn't leave unless they hospitalized her. They had a long meeting and finally granted my request. That woman was saved. And afterwards, when thanking me for what I had done for her, she said, and to think it was my son who threw me into the garbage. In the book, Come Be My Light, they asked her, what was it about her life? that she, Why was it so important to be the light of Christ? And she said this, if I ever become a saint, I will surely become one of darkness. I will continually be absent from heaven to light the world, to light of those in darkness on earth. See, Mother Teresa was a, was a bright light in her world. It was one person. She goes, I didn't come to do great things, but little things with great love. And as a result of her simplicity, her humility, she didn't do anything to draw attention to herself, but she wanted to glorify the Lord. And that's what the Lord wants to do. He wants you to be his light, to be his light to shine where there is darkness. You may think, hey, I, what I do doesn't matter. You underestimate the power of God through your life. He wants to love through you. He wants his light to shine through you, through what you say, through opening up your eyes to see needs that are around you. Your friends, your family members, they're struggling, they're weary. And this is our opportunity to model that, that we can be joyful, that we can, we can be loving, we can be kind, we can still smile because of the light that is in us. And yes, a single light is bright, but when we are together, we shine even brighter, don't we? Like we shine lighter and brighter when we belong to a small group, when we're part of a church family, when we pull our resources together, when we fulfill the commission of Jesus to go and make disciples, to proclaim the good news of Jesus, to be generous. This is our opportunity to shine the light of Christ to a world that is weary. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, Jesus, that over 2,000 years ago, God, you sent your son, Jesus, because you loved us so much. And Lord, I pray that, that we would focus our attention on you, that we would bless, honor you, your great name. For those that are struggling and hurting, I pray that they would be comforted by this good news, by your presence. Lord, you sent your Holy Spirit to guide us, to help us, to comfort us in our time of need. And I pray for some of my friends here that are hurting, who feel alone, that are in grief, that are struggling because of their finances or the health or the health of their loved ones or the fear of the uncertainty of the future. If you're here today and you would say, John, would you just pray for me right now? I, I, I am struggling right now. And I see, I see this as a season where in the past, it should be a season of happiness and joy, but I'm just struggling and I need the presence of the Lord. Would you just be honest and vulnerable before the Lord and just raise your hand 
as I pray for you. More importantly, the Lord sees your hand. He sees your honesty. Psalm 145, he sees, I will be close to those who cry out for me. And Father, I pray as we lift our voices and we call out to you that you see the, the needs of those who are struggling. God, you see the emotional state, the worry, the anxiety, the fears. God, and I pray that those voices that the enemy would come to just to bring a distraction or lie, that, that Lord, that, that those voices would be silenced. That Father, that your love would drive out all fear, that light would drive out all fear in the name of Jesus. We ask you, Father, to give wisdom, that you would bless, that you would give comfort, that I pray that every person here, or who is it, oh, maybe home alone right now and viewing online and, and struggling, God, I pray that they would be overwhelmed by your presence and the love of you and the love of our church family. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. If you're here with heads still bowed and eyes closed and you'd be honest that you're walking in darkness, you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is drawing you to a place of repentance, turning from darkness and turning to the light, turning from sin and turning to God, surrendering your life to Jesus. The good news is that Jesus, yes, came to this earth. He lived a sinless life and he died on the cross. The purpose of him dying was to save the world of sin, that you could be close to the Lord. There's nothing that you can do on your own to save yourself. It's only by trusting Jesus that he died on the cross. His blood was spilt for the remission of your sins. And when you repent and you confess your sin and confess that Jesus is Savior and Lord, only then will you be saved. And this can be that moment. This is your opportunity to be saved to go from darkness to life. And if he's drawing you to this decision, it's a life-changing decision and commitment to obey all that Jesus is commanding you to, to be his son, to be his daughter by faith. You will be saved through grace in Jesus. I'm gonna count to three and I'm gonna ask that you would raise your hand to say, I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus, that this season will be marked by great joy because I wanna surrender my life to Jesus today and have a personal relationship. You're not too far gone. No matter what you've done, that's a lie of the enemy to say that you can never be saved, that you're never good enough. Jesus loves you. Your father loves you and he wants to forgive you and save you and have a relationship with you. So when I count to three, if you say, I wanna surrender my life to Jesus, I want you to raise your hand. Don't hesitate. One, two, all over this room, three. Would you raise your hand right now? Say, I wanna surrender my life to Jesus. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Praise the Lord. He's, he wants to convict you of your sin and to save you. He loves you. All right, for those of you who have raised your hand, I wanna pray with you. I wanna model a prayer. Would you put your trust in the Lord right now? Would you confess him as Lord? Just say his name right now. Just say his name out loud. Say, Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. I'm so sorry for breaking your heart. I acknowledge that you are the son of the living God. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are alive today. I turn from my sin and I turn to you. Please forgive me. Set me free from all of the bondage of sin. Shine your light upon my path that I can walk in lightness and I can have a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, Father, I pray that, that you would just overwhelm them with your presence, that you would give them a hunger and thirst to follow after you. 
We love you, Jesus. Thank you for saving our friends. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who just made this decision, we want to welcome you to the family of God. We've got some friends, some small group leaders that are going to walk you to our starting line. This is the beginning of your journey in Christ. And we want to help you take your next steps with water baptism, give you the Bible, talk to you about the importance of belonging to a small group. You can't take this journey by yourself. You need others to help you and encourage you. 